Today, a test for big tech. Will they censor an absolutely crazy, bonkers, and peer-reviewed study about the COVID-19 vaccine, or will they let you hear the science? Then Republicans in Congress are being idiots about infrastructure and ignoring the Democrats' ulterior motive that could destroy America's suburbs as we know them. Plus, the Florida building collapse and the Washington Post conspiracy theory about Governor Ron DeSantis. I'm going to debunk it. I'm Liz Wheeler. Welcome to The Liz Wheeler Show. A crazy, absolutely bonkers new study about the COVID-19 vaccine will shock your socks off. But first, speaking of crazy and bonkers, did you know your internet service provider can essentially creep on everything you do online? Let me tell you about ExpressVPN because ExpressVPN is your solution to this security issue. And I know what you're thinking, well, your internet service provider might not be able to tell what you're searching for if you just use incognito mode. But that's actually not true. I recently learned this. Incognito mode, private mode, does not hide your activity. That's why even when I'm at home, I never go online without using ExpressVPN because internet service providers are essentially creeps. So ExpressVPN, let me explain how it works. It's an app that reroutes your internet connection through their secure servers so that your internet service provider cannot see the sites you visit. Great. ExpressVPN also keeps all of your information secure by encrypting 100% of your data with the most powerful encryption available. All you have to do is tap one button and you are protected. It's super easy. So protect your online activity today with the VPN rated number one by CNET and Wired. Visit my exclusive link, expressvpn.com slash Liz, and you can get an extra three months free on a one-year package. That's expressvpn.com slash Liz. Expressvpn.com slash Liz to learn more. Protect yourself when you're online. It's what I do. ExpressVPN is the way to go. So what we're going to talk about today, this will be a test for big tech to see if they actually want people to know the truth or if they're censoring true information, even peer-reviewed scientific information that is not coupled with an opinion in order to push their political agenda. So what I'm going to do here is I will not be giving an opinion on how this study that I'm about to present to you should impact behavior or impact our public policy. Nothing. No opinion. Now, I think this study is a big deal. Obviously, so does the inventor of the mRNA vaccine concept itself. He pushed it out on Twitter. Unfortunately, I can't show you this part of the show or the big tech overlords might delete this video and my channel. As you know, YouTube won't let me tell you the truth about COVID-19 or transgenderism and other important issues, even when I cite the specific studies. So if you want to watch the full uncensored version of this video, join me over on the Liz Wheeler Show community on Locals, lizwheelershow.com slash locals. But you also certainly deserve to know the truth. So a link to the full study is on my Twitter account if you want to hear the public policy recommendations for yourself. All right, let's talk about Nutrafol. 30 million women are impacted by weakened or thinning hair. If you are among them, know that you are not alone. There's a solution that you can trust to deliver results. Nutrafol offers two targeted formulas for women that are clinically shown to improve hair growth and thickness with less shedding through all stages of life. Nutrafol is physician formulated to be 100% drug-free. Who doesn't love that? They use medical-grade botanicals in consistently effective dosages so that you get the most reliable results. Again, who doesn't love that? Visit Nutrafol.com and take their hair wellness quiz for personalized product recommendations that are unique to your hair's needs so that you know which product will suit your needs. It's also important to note, though, healthier hair growth does take time. You'll begin to experience thicker, stronger, faster-growing hair in three to six months. You can grow thicker, healthier hair and support this show 
by going to Nutrafol.com and entering the promo code Liz to save $15 off your first month's subscription. This is their best offer anywhere, and it's only available to U.S. customers for a limited time, plus free shipping on every order. Get $15 off at Nutrafol.com, spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com, promo code Liz. When you subscribe, you will receive automatically monthly deliveries so you never miss a dose. Okay, Republicans in Congress are being idiots about infrastructure. Surprise, surprise, Republicans in Congress being idiots about anything. This is not surprising. Here's the situation. Here's what's happening. So President Biden has proposed a trillions of dollars uh, infrastructure bill. Now, when I say infrastructure, that should be in quotes because really it's just a package of radical leftist agenda items. So he needs Republicans in the Senate to collaborate with him in order to pass this. So Republicans and Democrats have reached this sort of deal where Republicans will uh, agree to a limited number, a infrastructure bill that's just pared down to actual infrastructure, such as roads, bridges, transits, airports, electric power, water infrastructure, et cetera, et cetera. And they will remove all of the liberal far leftist agenda items from this bill. So that's part of the deal of working together to create a bipartisan infrastructure bill. Now, why are they doing this? Well, that's the thing. This is where Republicans are acting like naive little squishes again. Because Republicans perhaps believe that this is being done in good faith. They believe that Democrats actually want to have a bipartisan deal. And of course, remember, Democrats need Republicans because Republicans, if they filibuster this bill, Democrats would then need 60 votes to pass to end the filibuster, and there's not going to be 60 votes to end the filibuster. So Republicans perhaps believe this is being done in good faith, but wait, remember, Democrat politicians are terrible people. There is, of course, a catch. The catch is Democrats still have one more reconciliation bill that they are allowed to pass this year. A reconciliation bill cannot be filibustered in the Senate, which means it can pass with just 50 Democrat votes. No Republicans necessary. The Democrats can completely bypass the Republicans. Now, reconciliation bills typically are only allowed once a year, but Democrats have two this year because last year's Senate Republican majority did not pass one. Oh, well, Republicans tripping themselves up once again. So is this a trick? Are Democrats taking advantage of Republicans? Are Democrats going to claim a bipartisan win with Republicans on this bill, which will cause a public opinion victory for Democrats? And then as soon as the public thinks that Democrats and Republicans collaborated on an infrastructure deal, Democrats will put all of their radical leftist policies in the reconciliation bill that they only need a flat 50 votes to pass. Well, duh. The answer to that is probably. At first, by the way, President Biden was threatening to veto just the quote-unquote bipartisan infrastructure bill if it was not going to be accompanied by this radical leftist reconciliation bill. Now, Republicans pushed back on that, thank goodness. Biden has walked back his threat to veto, but it doesn't mean that the Democrats won't do it. The Democrats are gearing up for this. Bernie Sanders himself is currently drafting a $6 trillion infrastructure reconciliation bill. And when I say infrastructure, Bernie Sanders is writing into this reconciliation bill, climate change and government subsidized healthcare. It's essentially the Green New Deal and Medicare for All, all of these very far left socialist policies wrapped up and titled infrastructure. By the way, whoever on the left, whatever PR firm, political PR firm on the left, coined the idea that infrastructure could be anything is a brilliant, deviant genius. Because infrastructure is not everything. Infrastructure is roads and bridges, transportation, that sort of thing. Infrastructure. It's not the Green New Deal. It's not Medicare for All. It's none of the radical left's pre-existing 
policy desires. And by the way, Republicans knew about the reconciliation deal ahead of time. So now we have minority leader Kevin McCarthy saying that Joe Biden is being disingenuous on infrastructure. Well, yeah, were you born yesterday, man? Of course he's being disingenuous on infrastructure. You do not walk into this kind of negotiation assuming that radical leftists like Joe Biden are acting in good faith. They're not going to act in good faith. You don't give them the benefit of the doubt. No, first, you make them prove that they're being honest. So you sh- they should have, they should have, the Republicans should have coupled the idea saying, sure, we will negotiate with you on a bipartisan infrastructure deal if you promise not to pass a reconciliation bill with XYZ in it. That's what Republicans should have done. Then it would have been up to the Democrats to either say, okay, we can do that. We truly want a bipartisan infrastructure deal, or they would expose their hand as partisans. That's, that's number one. Number two is Republicans actually shouldn't be voting yes for any infrastructure deal until there are audits for wasted spending in, the, in all government agencies and reforms of processes that cost money and are ineffective. Because this is a lot of money. We don't have this money. It's a lot of debt to put on the shoulders of our children and our grandchildren or to sell to China, God forbid. Republicans shouldn't act like Democrats light. Just because the last two Republican administrations spent an exorbitant amount of money doesn't mean that we should continue to do this. Republicans need to get back to fiscal conservatism. And signing on to an enormous trillion-dollar Democrat infrastructure bill is not the way to do that. Or to put it, in a little more of a colloquial way. Can you imagine? Now it's Republicans that are voting to raise taxes. And then on top of that, they're getting tricked. As the movie 1776 said, one useless man is a waste, two are a law firm, and three are a Congress. By the way, Democrats also want to use this infrastructure bill to abolish the suburbs. And I don't say this lightly. Radical leftist motives, I promise you, are never pure. And somebody recently told me, after I had made a similar comment, that I'm a cynic that I'm cynical. And I said, no, I'm not a cynic because I'm actually an optimistic person, but I am 100% a skeptic. Join me, please. Skepticism is the only way to approach these radical leftists. So basically a skeptic's question would be, is the goal of Biden's infrastructure actually infrastructure? Well, when you read the bills, the answer is of course not. In fact, it could destroy the suburbs that you live in where your family resides. It could destroy suburbs across America. And here's how. So if If this were to pass, this provision of this infrastructure bill, it would take a federal infrastructure grant that the federal government would give to the state or a locality, and it would attach a contingency to that grant. Namely, it would make these grants contingent on local governments allowing apartment complexes in any neighborhood, even if the neighborhood currently is limited to single-family homes, right? So you live in this neighborhood, single-family homes along a street. It's quiet. It's great. You've earned money, you've worked hard so that you can live in peace in the suburbs. And now Joe Biden wants to attach as a contingency for infrastructure grants the idea that these giant apartment complexes will be put maybe next door to you. Do you want that for your family? The destruction to American suburbs would be almost unimaginable. Again, this goes back to the theme. This not only hurts you, it benefits Democrats. And Democrats don't care. So here's what would happen Here's what would happen if these contingencies were attached to these grants. Either towns and localities would turn down the grants, and then the tax dollars in those grants would go instead to Democrat-controlled cities who were willing to swallow the strings with the money, or the towns would be forced to change their zoning to accept the money, and suburbs like the one that you live in would be destroyed and turned instead into dense city-like neighborhoods uh, and 
what happens then is typically it would become Democrat. By the way, this is another way Democrats are trying to out-electioneer Republicans. They're literally trying to socially engineer our nation in a way that helps Democrats win elections without having to sell the American people Democrat policies. It's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. And the reason, the justification for this is they claim that they're fighting climate change. They claim that this is in the interest of racial justice. It's nutty. Property values will become unaffordable if this happens because a previously single family home a lot will now be worth as much as if an apartment building could be built on it. So you won't be able to afford to buy a house. In addition, the neighborhoods will be less safe. And it's also going to create, it would create a terrible infrastructure mess. It would be a monstrosity because of water, sewer, roads, all that kind of stuff built. They're built for a certain level of population. They're not built for dense cities. Yet if you insert those apartment complexes, all of a sudden the population becomes dense and those means of infrastructure are insufficient. This is why the federal government should not have direct control over local zoning. Nor should they coerce localities into accepting federal dictates about zoning under penalty of losing grants. This, this is not rocket science. It's Democrats' agenda in this infrastructure bill. It's not about infrastructure. It's about Marxism, and we must fight against this. Speaking of fighting the good fight, let's talk about my friend Lila Rose's new book, Fighting for Life. You can get your copy today. Lila Rose is not only my friend, she's the founder of Live Action. I'm sure you've heard of her. She's become the face of the millennial pro-life movement. Now more than ever, it's extremely important that we have real warriors going out into the world to make a change. Whether it's fighting for the life of unborn babies, fighting for traditional values that America was founded on, or trying to right the injustices in the world, this is your playbook for how to truly make a difference. It's based on our own experiences. Lila shares how you can understand your own talents to become a leader and build a foundation for change in the face of obstacles. As I mentioned time and time again right here, the left is doing everything they can to destroy America. The story we just talked about in the suburbs is a perfect example of that. And that's why this book is so important right now. Fighting for Life is available anywhere you can buy books and you can get yours right now at fightingforlifebook.com. Fightingforlifebook.com. If you do, take a picture, tag Lila, tell her I sent you. Read fightingforlifebook.com now. All right, a tragedy has struck our nation. A building collapse in Florida has left at least nine people dead, over 150 people unaccounted for, meaning likely dead. There are no signs from the excavation crew. There are no signs of life that they have found thus far. And it's, it's simply horrifying. My thoughts and prayers go out to the people whose loved ones are missing, and of course, those who uh, or are possibly trapped under all this rubble. The political part of this is absolutely disgusting. The left are absolutely disgusting. There are 150 people still unaccounted for, probably dead. And the left is taking this opportunity to try to use this against Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. This is actually like what the left does with gun control. Anytime that there is a tragedy of a shooting, even when the gun itself obviously was not the issue, the deranged lunatic is obviously the killer, the left cannot even wait for the families to grieve before they turn it political. Same with this. The left is trying to blame DeSantis. So first of all, how could this possibly be Ron DeSantis's fault? There's a very popular tweet going around, it's going viral on Twitter right now, that's blaming Ron DeSantis's deregulation in the state of Florida as if this... Deregulation had anything to do with building regulations? I don't think so. 
That's so ignorant. Deregulation means the ability to start and run a business without getting caught up in red tape. It doesn't mean building deregulation. Second of all, let's talk about what we should be talking about here. The warning from the engineering firm years before this tragedy happened, before the collapse of this building. Here's here's what I want to know when I look at this story. First of all, how did this happen? What structurally about this building, it was 12 stories high, was so bad that it caused the entire building to collapse? Now, we're told that possibly the slab under the pool had cracking concrete because of the way it was built. It was not built at the proper angle. Would that cause an entire building to collapse? Was the building in violation of building code? These are answers that we need directly. So did the local government know about the October 8th, 2018 report by an engineer? Reportedly, it was forwarded to them, although the local government claims that it was never, that they never received it. So was there any warning of this? There was warning of this. The consultant in 2018 who wrote that report that he delivered on October 8th of 2018 warned about cracked columns and crumbling concrete. He said that the building was suffering from major structural damage. According to the New York Times, quote, a consultant found alarming evidence of major structural damage to the concrete slab below the pool deck and abundant cracking and crumbling of the columns, beams, and walls of the parking garage under the 13-story building, end quote. So my question is, why was the warning ignored and by whom? And I know that they had plans for renovations, but how could it take so long when this warning was as serious as it was? I, I consider that to be a warning ignored. If there was a warning and it was deliberately violated, there should be accountability there. And here's why I say that, because the residents of this building, were the residents warned about the state of the building during the years-long delay before the repairs were scheduled? They certainly had a right to know, especially if their lives could be in danger, which they obviously were. But according to a November 15th, 2018 board meeting, this is after that report had been submitted, According to NPR at this meeting, just one month after an engineering report warned of major structural damage that required immediate repair, a Surfside Florida official assured residents of Champlain Towers South that their building was sound. NPR has obtained minutes of a November 2018 meeting that shows a Surfside town inspector met with residents of the building and assured them the building was in very good shape, end quote. So who made that decision to lie to the residents, to tell them they were safe, when in fact the damage was, the structural damage was so severe that their lives were in danger. There should be accountability there. Now, the Washington Post is peddling an additional conspiracy theory about Ron DeSantis. Again, they lie about Ron DeSantis because they're afraid because Ron DeSantis is not playing defense, he's playing offense. So the only thing that the left can do is lie about him. So Hannah Dreyer at the Washington Post tweeted, and this tweet went viral as well. She said, quote, there's a saying in emergency management, the first 24 hours are the only 24 hours. FEMA was ready to deploy to the condo collapse almost immediately and included the crisis in its daily briefing, but didn't get permission from Governor DeSantis to get on the ground for a full day, end quote. She points to a document that said at 1.51 a.m., there have been no requests for state or FEMA assistance. So by tweeting these two things together, she's beyond insinuating that there is some kind of scandal. She's essentially accusing Ron DeSantis of a scandal. But here's what actually happened. Here's the reality of the situation. Emergency declarations come from the bottom to the top. What I mean by that is first a local government declares the emergency, then the state government does, and then it reaches the federal government. It's not a top-down, it's a bottom-up. So the mayor of Miami-Dade County did not sign an emergency order until 4.33 p.m. Less than one hour later, at 5.32 p.m., Governor Ron DeSantis signed a similar order. 
It wasn't 24 hours that Ron DeSantis waited. He waited less than an hour when he had the power to do so. Because state government can't act without local government permission and federal government cannot act without state permission. So the first person in line to declare an emergency is the mayor of Miami-Dade County. The mayor of Miami-Dade County is Danielle Levine-Cava. She's a Democrat. So if anybody wants to ask, why was it so long? Why was it so many hours until emergency declaration was declared? Then you asked the Democrat mayor of Miami-Dade, Danielle Levine-Cava. And if you don't, then we know that you're just lying about Ron DeSantis because you hate him and you fear him because he's stopping you in your tracks with your radical leftist agenda. That's the reality of the situation. All right, this next story is absolutely nutso. Um, it's super crazy. A university, Brandeis University, has issued an oppressive language list. That's right, an oppressive language list. These are terms that only oppressors use, I suppose. <laughs> um, the phrase is oppress people. Not sure which one it is. Absolutely ridiculous. So fortunately, to the university's credit, they don't require students to switch their language, to discontinue oppressor language and adopt their woke language. But they do say, quote, they recognize that language is a powerful tool that can be used to perpetrate and perpetuate oppression. As a community, they say, we can strive to remove language that may hurt those who have experienced violence from our everyday use. So let's give some examples here. In their violent language category, they say an oppressor phrase is you're killing it. Can't say that anymore. Why? Because, quote, if someone is doing well, there are other ways to say so without equating it to murder. Nobody thinks that. When you, when you give someone a high five and say, yeah, you're killing it, no one thinks you're talking about actual murder. They say, oh, this is funny. This is, this is an example of the woke left eating their, themselves. Nothing's ever good enough for the cultural leftists, the cultural Marxists on the left. They say trigger warning is now oppressive language. Why? Quote, the word trigger has connections to guns for many people. We can give the same heads up using language less connected to violence. You're the ones that introduced the phrase trigger warning, and now you're triggered by it. You can't make up that kind of irony. They also say it's oppressive language to say you guys, ladies and gentlemen, or he and she. They suggest and said, I will not be doing this, by the way. This is outrageous. They say instead of ladies and gentlemen, you should use the word folks. Spelled F-O-L-X. What? I, I don't even understand this. This isn't even like, um, this isn't even like when people say Xmas because they're crossing Christ out. What, why do you need to add an X in folks? You spelled F-O-L-K-S. Why do you need an X there? It's not even like Latinx, which is instead of being the female version, Latina or Latino. Like, what are you, what are you crossing out for folks? I will never spell folks that way. Never, ever, ever in a million years. Anyway, they say that the reason that you're supposed to say folks with an S, X is because these examples either lump all people under masculine language. Yes, that's correct grammar to do that or within the gender binary, man and woman, which doesn't include everyone. It actually does include everyone. Just check the science. They also say it's oppressive language to use the word tranny or transsexual, but this, this is where their double standard comes into play. They say, quote, many of these terms have historically and continue to be used in a hateful way against LGBTQ plus folks. And by the way, they spell folks F-O-L-K-S there, not with an X. So who's the oppressor now? They say, as with other in-group language, sometimes folks, F-O-L-K-S, may refer to themselves with a word that someone outside of the group should not use. Okay, 
So you're allowed to call yourself a name, but other people aren't allowed to use that word? I don't think so. We don't have separate rules for separate people. We have equality. Even under the idea of equity, that would not fly. Your own rules, play by your own rules here. Okay, they're not done though. They say um, that you're not allowed to use the phrase everything going on right now. Now I know what you're thinking. What could possibly be oppressive or offensive about saying everything going on right now? They're talking about police brutality, protests, Black Lives Matter, COVID-19. No, no, you're not allowed to say everything going on right now because, quote, being vague about important issues risks miscommunication and can also avoid accountability. So I regret to inform you, you're an oppressor if you say everything going on right now. They also say you're not allowed to use the term spirit animal because it's culturally appropriative language. They say, quote, in some cultural and spiritual traditions, spirit animals refer to an animal spirit that helps guide and or protect a person through a journey. Equating this with an animal you like strips the term of its significance. Well, I'd like to make a bargain with these wokists. I will stop saying spirit animal when you stop taking the Lord's name in vain. How about that? Somehow, I doubt they're going to want to come to the table and make a bargain on that. So the real story here, besides just being absolutely ridiculous and hypocritical even within their own document, is you might notice there are no prohibited slurs against conservatives, against straight people, or against white people. You can't say African-American. They say you have to say black with a capital B. But by absence, it's fine to say Uncle Tom, Cracker, Oreo, Redneck, White Trash, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Slurs down the line. They're giant hypocrites. They do not care about people who disagree with them. This, by the way, is what Marxists do. They control language and control speech so that they control you. Don't allow them to do it. Okay, this next story is absolutely crazy. It's your must-read bombshell of the week. It's absolutely nutso. You need to go over to Locals, Locals VIPs only. So go to lizwheelershow.locals to subscribe to hear this story. Believe me, you're not gonna wanna miss it. So deleted NIH data could shed more light on the origin of COVID-19. If you want to see the rest of this segment, hear everything that we're going to talk about, head on over to Locals, the Liz Wheeler Show community at lizwheelershow.com slash locals. See you there. And that is all the time that we have for today. We do have a lot more stories to talk about, so please tune in tomorrow. In the meantime, follow the facts. Don't let government or corporate wokeism or anybody bully you into being a sheep. Please subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts. Even if you watch it on Locals, subscribe on Apple so that we can move our way up in the chart, which means more people will discover the show and more people will hear reality. Thanks for watching. I'm Liz Wheeler. This is The Liz Wheeler Show. The Liz Wheeler Show is produced by Jonathan Hay. Executive producer, Chad Abbott. Director of photography, Kevin McRoberts. Editor, Stephen Reyes. Assistant editor, Michael Wall. Assistant editor, Tommy Weber. Sound mixer, Robin Fenderson. Post-production manager, Victoria Metzel. Director of marketing, Emily Washler. Senior publicist, Patricia Jackson. And production assistant, Mickey Pisani. This has been a Soundfront production.